Welcome to the Path 5 Podcast. The Path 5 team is a dedicated group of professionals hailing from diverse backgrounds, all anchored in making the world a safer place. Thanks for joining us while we dive into today's topic. Howdy folks. Thanks a lot for joining us. Hope you're having a fantastic day. We're having a pretty damn good day over here. Not bad at all. It's that Tuesday uh, after Memorial Day weekend. Kind of feels like a Monday. So, some other things have been going on lately. So, we came off of a nice uh, Memorial Day weekend. Had a really great opportunity to uh, honor some of our fallen brothers and sisters. Had a really, really nice time uh, celebrating their memory. And we hope you guys did too. You know, it's easy to forget all about that. Just getting that time off of work to recharge the batteries, which is uh, great, but, you know, it does serve a purpose. So hope you guys found some of that purpose. And without further ado, we're going to go ahead and we're going to kick it off. So what else has been going on lately? It's been a lot of interesting things happening, and I'm especially looking at the media. It's been some wild news in the last, I'd say, what, two, three weeks? And we're going to really dial in on that today, and we're going to talk all about it. So this is all stemming from a statement that was released by the intelligence community, the American intelligence community, I'd like to clarify, that uh, three people were actually hospitalized in, in Wuhan, who actually worked for the Wuhan Institute of Virology in November 2019. Pretty interesting. So, you know, in this podcast, too, we're unable to validate that information objectively. Uh, You know, we're not on ground in Wuhan tracking this stuff down, as interesting as that would be. But what we will do on this episode is we're going to peel back those layers of uh, some of the connotations surrounding this development. We're going to look at the influence that the media has on itself and therefore the American people. We're going to dig into some geopolitical ramifications and all that's going to come together so we can take a step back and look at how divided we as Americans have become and kind of how that's been happening and and what we can do about it on a personal level. We got uh, most of the team on today. Should be a pretty good time. Going to get real interesting, folks. Going to be some tinfoil hat moments. So just keep an open mind and uh, ride the wave. So first, we're going to look at the media, my favorite topic. So there are, in addition to the claims we already discussed about the three people being hospitalized in Wuhan itself, there are now claims that there was a wife of a researcher there that actually died of COVID-like symptoms in December of 19. And now in May of 2021, That information is now being made available. Kind of weird, huh? The same information that would have given significant validity to the Trump administration and could have rallied America to a common cause, a push for accountability. But we didn't see that, did we, folks? No, 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 quite the opposite. We saw the demonization of the former president and everything that came out of his mouth or fingertips 
And there's just this persistent effort to sow division in our great nation. Yeah, Midas, I'd just like to thank you for having me on tonight. This is a great opportunity for me to speak my piece. You know, the media has ignored me at every turn, but I just want to say I told you so. It came from China. Okay. (laughs) It came (laughs) from China. You all ignored me. It came from China. Here's the proof. Nice. That's <laughs> that's good. That's good. Maybe oh, maybe God. maybe he'd want to come on. Oh, that would be hilarious. That'd, that be, that'd be great. And then we could have a which one's Da Vinci competition. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think I'm Dana Carvey and George W. Bush material yet. I'm working oh, yeah. on it. I'm working on yeah. it. You'll get there. You'll I'll get there. there. So the the point of what I'm saying is fundamentally we had these statements made by the president who's who's probably fairly well informed despite his ramblings on Twitter about what was actually going on and all that was instantly discounted by the media they acted like he had no validity he was making these statements because he was racist and a bully and an idiot and it just really served as a mechanism to sow division. All right. Cause you had people who believed him, people who didn't, and there was no, no voice of reason in the middle that was at least uh, reported on by the media. And that just continued on throughout, I'd say his entire presidency and into the last year and a half to sow this artificial division uh, that was formed by just highlighting differences between ethnic groups and, and magnifying them to create this illusion of separation between us. So I like this quote, guys. I found this. Um, it's actually from the belly of the beast when it comes to radical leftist woke media uh, frequently crosses the line into the propaganda spectrum, also known as the New York Times. So this quote is really interesting. This guy uh, named Ross do that. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He says there was self-reinforcing pressure among journalists who covered the story and Twitter experts who opined on it to put the possibility in the QAnon box and leave it there. And he's talking about Trump statements about the uh, Wuhan lab. And I think you brought up a really good point and, you know, props to him for doing so, especially for the New York times. Uh, he said some other stuff that was kind of BS, but I think he hit it on the head there. And it, it's just that type of situation where the media itself has become so infested with these often left-leaning individuals that it's almost like it was an indoctrination process aimed at all these folks trying to maintain credibility amongst their peers to put down the Trump administration and any other claims or uh, information that they put out, uh, especially about the Wuhan lab. You know, it was just chalked up to being racist and just, you know, completely invalid. Well, yeah, sure. But I mean, to give a little bit of credibility to what he's saying, that's basically what he was educated in, you know, the, which is a whole nother topic can of worms that we're not going to open up. But as far as the education system and what universities sort of preach and professors and all that. So that's, yeah, I'm not really going to blame the guy, 
because that's that's what he's all been brought up doing but it's it's not really his fault that's just well, the people that they're hiring these days i don't know i would say it is it is still his fault personally because we all have a duty to uh be yeah, reasonable agreed. human beings sure but you know what you said just highlights um one of the things i mentioned which is just the indoctrination right exactly right? Yeah. It's not just within the media, it's institutionalized across the board now where, you know, being, being woke is synonymous with being intelligent and being knowledgeable about the world around you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is just simply not the case. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, good yeah. point. So I would just, I would let this to be a lesson to anyone anywhere. So if you surround yourself with people that only agree with you on issues that clearly have multiples perspectives and sides all the time uh that should be a sign of danger and what you just saw there was you know da vinci weighed in on it with his opinion and i was like you know do i necessarily agree with it eh, maybe i think we could get to an agreement point you know with, with further discussion um and that's good that's good there's nothing wrong with that it's constructive it's healthy and if you look historically at organizations that just surround themselves with folks that only drink the same Kool-Aid, it's a problem. It, it can form a really toxic atmosphere. It can really breed deficiencies. And, you know, we, we've seen that in the modern media that was perfectly summarized by Ross with his quote. Um, you know, and we can even think back to uh, early 2003 in the quest for WMDs in Iraq on the other side of the political fence, you know, what did we see? We saw a bunch of people in Bush's cabinet indoctrinating themselves to believe shoddy intelligence that Saddam was somehow a threat to the United States. Yeah. And and some of that is just, how do you showcase that to your supporters or or those folks that you're trying to leverage and buy that that input from, and you're trying to buy that support from. So even with the WMDs part, you know, we did find WMDs in Iraq. They just weren't new. They were like 1980s era when they when they dropped those things, suckers on uh, on Iran, right? And they buried them in the desert. So we found them. Sure, they're there. Yeah, but they weren't what we were saying that they were. You know, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't. You know, I, I agree with you on that. And just to clarify, you know, I wasn't stating our hunt for WMDs. I was. Mainly discussing, well, no, you know, no, was Iraq the a threat right? the That's States. really what I was trying to say. Like, yeah, we found them. It was, sure. was it there, was not there afterward. Yeah. It was there. But how do we make it sound like it's worse? Right. So when we push in, we're, you have that legitimate reason to go into to Iraq. Uh, and then later, you don't really want to backtrack, sure. so to speak. Yeah. So you're like, oh, no, there was nothing there. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, what we've always said, right? Capability doesn't match intent. So even if the capability was there, the intent probably wasn't there, or maybe it, maybe it was. You know who who knows, right? I'm sure he was pissed off and butthurt about 1993. Uh, anybody would who got their ass kicked that hard. So yeah, let's be honest. I mean, it's Saddam Hussein. He was probably he definitely had the intent. Let's sure, be, let's be sure. realistic. The guy thought he was uh, Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated. So yeah, yeah. I mean, but at the same time, at that given time, and you know, April of '03, was that the play? Right. Yeah. Eh, no, logically, no. And I, I see your point. I think that's totally, that's a good, you know, comparison as far as like surrounding yourself with people that are 
all drinking the same Kool-Aid and all speaking the same BS in your ear, you know? Yeah. And, and that's so tough, right? If you look at team dynamics, like you want to have that common foundation like this team does, but, um, you just, you got to have those like natural checks and balances there. Uh, and it's, it's really difficult to do if you're just surrounding yourself with people that are just a hundred percent thinking the same, feeling the same and acting the same as you. It's just not, uh, it's not conducive to that. So, and you know, that, that even started, you know, the day after nine 11 with white house aides scampering around the Pentagon, trying to find a link between the attacks in Iraq that was brought forward by American generals. So once again, it's like people will believe that something's there. And at the first opportunity to link it, they'll, they'll figure out how to do that. Um, and they could have said the same thing about, you know, president Trump at the time saying, Oh, well he's, he's racist. So that's why he thinks this. It's like, well, I actually know. Um, so it can go back and forth. Um, but anyhow, we had this wave of conformity that just swept over the media and dismissed something perfectly plausible and I like that term because that was used uh, by our friends over at MI6 three days ago to describe the reality of the Wuhan lab um, having a part in COVID. Now they're saying, oh, it's quite plausible. Like, no shit. Of course it's plausible. There's no reason for it not to be plausible. Right? So even that's kind of a half-handed political statement. Like, yeah, it could be. Like, no shit. Like... Yeah. Anyhow, I don't want to get started on that. So anyhow, um, you know, but it, it really removed this key, key information at this pivotal point in time when it could have been properly investigated. China could have been held in a, a more accountable state. Should all this be true? And it would have provided this really awesome opportunity for Americans to be united. Not like post 9-11 united where we attacked. No. But it could have been a great opportunity for folks to band together and say, hey, you know what? We're in this. We're all in this together because these other people were really irresponsible. So let's band together and form our new level of responsibility for looking out for each other. That's human nature when when you end up in a, a shit situation. And yeah, we didn't get that opportunity because the media didn't allow us to. And that's that's pretty bad. You know, all those folks were playing the ultimate game of let's get him out of office due to his resistance to their woke agenda and some of his uh, jackassery on Twitter. And they were either subconsciously or overtly filtering out real information that wouldn't agree with their philosophy. The same thing we saw last week with uh, the former army employee of Facebook coming out and basically uncovering their censorship of anything negative about the vaccine. And is that devious? Uh, maybe not. Maybe maybe Facebook honestly felt, hey, this is for the greater good. So we need to uh, we need to enforce positive messaging surrounding this vaccine. There's probably people who are you know naive enough to think that and aren't grounded in the reality that we have a constitution for a reason. Uh, but they're out there. You know, they're not necessarily devious folks. So yeah. So, I mean, that was just a, a really good look at the media's kind of self-licking ice cream cone, hyper-destructive, truth-burying betrayal of the American people. And, uh, you know, it, it's been happening. It's going to keep happening until we as a nation do something about it. Uh, there's certain politicians that are actually uh, fining big media for suppression 
of folks' voices. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, should everybody get an opportunity to speak? Uh, philosophically, yes, until you're in a room full of idiots. And you're like, damn, I wish these people would just shut up. So, you know, I will be, I'll be honest there. I don't think everybody necessarily uh, has the experience or the education level or the perspective where it warrants them having an audience. But at the same time, I can't be the person to dictate that and neither should they. Right. So, yeah. And, and it's not just, you know, happening in the U.S. either. Bronio, what do you got? I just want to quickly say, you know, if you're worried about the idiots on one side, you got to worry about the idiots on the other side too. That's if right. You, if you start to tune down one side of an argument, the other side of the argument, as you said, and as you warned against earlier, the echo chamber is only going to grow. That's right. So what you get is a louder, you know, a louder shouted, more discombobulated opinion on one side that now takes over as the dominant position. I think there's a lot of that that led to where we are right now is, is, you know, yelling the loudest and having the most people around you. It's an arms race. You must automatically be right. Yeah. It's an arms race of words. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then all of a sudden you uh, wake up on a beach in Jonestown with some weird fucking juice next to you. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe you don't wake up i guess now you wake in up in a case. bathtub full of ice missing a yeah. kidney yeah but really though i mean that's that's radicalization that's indoctrination that we've been talking about since the first mm-hmm. episode of this podcast right absolutely and uh you know if you guys could help us out like we're not the be all end all right we're just we're just a, a group of dudes who are trying to do the right thing here and uh trying to educate folks and it'd be a sounding board for reasonability. And, uh, if you guys could, you know, spread the word on that, there's someone to, you work with. It seems like a cool person uh, or someone you go to the range with, or, you know, go fishing with, go hunting with whatever. It could be your neighbor. And you're like, Hey, you know, um, I understand you feel the way you do, but maybe you could listen to something else, uh, that might change your opinion. And, you know, that's, that's how we spread this stuff. That's how we, that's how we grow. Um, as, a I don't want to say family because uh, I don't know a lot of you guys, and that's a that's a pretty select title. Um, all you listeners out there, but at the same time, though, you know we are we are attempting to grow a movement focused on doing the right thing and being a reasonable human being. So, um, yeah, that's my little plug for for uh, the podcast. But it's got to spread, folks. Da Vinci, what does this look like on an international scale? We we're just talking about American media outlets. Uh, you know, but what, what, what's going on internationally? How, how has this affected potentially foreign policy moving forward? Yeah. Thanks, Midas. I think, um, so yeah, we've got some wedges that we've, you know, seen driven into our culture. And if, if you're not seeing that, then you're probably paying too much attention to the, the wrong news source. If you think everything's hunky dory, <laughs> you're, you're not educating yourself. So, um, but we've also seen coalition, right? We've seen it in the past and there's some potential out there to see it in the future. And now, you know, we kind of get into that realm of potential for tinfoil hat action. It's more of a, uh, speculation, not necessarily, um, something that is concrete. You know, we're just looking at trends and, 
um, you know, the second and third order effects of, okay, well, we got Wuhan that is now potentially a hotbed for um, all manner of things, right? Yeah, it's an institute of virology. So they're doing research. Are they doing research on what it looks like when it's weaponized? I'm not going to say they do, but I have well, no idea, you know. And this is this is something that I actually did a little research into. I think Peronial is going to touch on a little bit later too, but there's this concept that they, they call um, GOF research, uh, growth of function research. Huh. And it, it sounds kind of benign. And then you realize that they're talking about things like, uh, you know, plagues. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, growth of function? Shouldn't we be looking at like reduction of function maybe? But Well, I mean – there is there is some truth to needing growth of function research, right? Because there is. If there you're is. thinking, hey, this is going to occur naturally, um, maybe we can force that natural occurrence right now in a lab setting, and that'll give us at least a fighting chance of fighting it when it does come up instead of being blindsided by it. I get that. Sure. But also, yeah. you're playing with fire. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of fire yeah. all at once. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, if you want to force it to mutate and see what that looks like, I understand the merit in that. Uh, but you better have your shit straight. <laughs> like that's like, we're, we're talking about the security right. surrounding, uh, you know, atomic weapons. You've got something that in my opinion could be just as, if not more brutal. So, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the kind of stuff that actually was listed as going on in there. Yeah, definitely. So it's, you know, not outside the realm of possibility that the military, I mean, I'm sure that this is all open source, obviously. Um, Like we have military researchers that do research on all kinds of different things, weapons, you know, biology, chemistry, like virus. There's all, all kinds of stuff out there that we do research on. But so you got going back to the topic that we're talking about, which is Wuhan and China, essentially we have a lot of these coalitions that we've seen and we've got tons of examples, right? So we've got ancient Greece, we've got the Roman empire, the Mongolian, and most of these are conquests, right? Like the Napoleonic empire, uh, uh, the empire of great Britain or greater Britain and how that has kind of, coalesced into the commonwealth so it's no longer an empire of conquest but it's um it's more of a oh we all print the queen on our money and we're sort of hunky-dory and friends and you know it's a situation like that but even more recently we've now seen things like the soviet union which in the span of history relatively short right you know conquered lost it and now uh is russia which is still a significant factor but other other coalitions have been nato obviously and these all have catalysts we've got the eu nafta there's all kinds of different coalitions that are out there but everything has a catalyst that comes from it so i'll get back to the catalyst piece in a minute but midas I know you want to chime in on that. 
Yeah. So you bring up a really good point. I think, you know, it, it really begs us to sit down and think about should this information be accurate with the lab? How does that function as a catalyst for forming future coalitions? Is that kind of your thought process? Um, kind of like the catalyst for future coalition. I'm just trying to understand your question a little more. So you're saying the Wuhan thing could potentially be a catalyst. Is that what? Yeah, that's kind of where my head goes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it provides an opportunity for folks to kind of band together and advocate for more responsible research, uh, potentially, you know, implement more watchdog groups, you know, things of that nature to try to prevent this in the future. That's just kind of where my, where my head goes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm definitely going to get back to that and I'm going to circle it all around and it'll make sense in a second. (laughs) All right. We'll bear with you. Yeah. Go for it. On back. Was this a white house press conference? Oh, you know, let me circle back on you. (laughs) Oh, hi. Oh yeah. She doesn't have an 80 page binder. Oh, golly. No. Yeah. Anyhow. Sorry. No worries. Um, so I mentioned a lot of different empires, right? But the one that I haven't mentioned that we do tend to talk about a lot on this podcast for good reason is China, right? So China has been essentially, I mean, they've, you know, they were very, uh, enclosed and inclusive for hundreds, if not thousands of years, right? Nobody, they didn't expand too much. They stayed sort of in their little side of Asia and, uh, they were sort of their own little empire for a long time, but we had, um, many different dynasties, many different powers that controlled China throughout the years. But China, you know, in the last century has moved onto the world stage in a big way. And this is, it's going to get a little weird. So bear with me. Um, so just picture a scenario where China no longer content with being economically dominant. You know, they have dominated in the last 50 years, China's, I think their GDP was less than like, um, Brazil, not even 40, 50 years ago. And now, you know, they're the biggest economy in the world. I mean, debatably, depending on what numbers you look at, you know, the United States still has a very large economy, but as far as manufacturing power, there's no question, you know, we've outsourced all of our manufacturing, not just to China, but to other places. So as far as manufacturing, producing things, you know, China's, they're leading the ship, but say they're no longer content with that economic dominance and they move more towards the military or annexation of territory, you know, like we've seen in the Crimea with Russia sort of a similar thing where where China is like, okay, well, I think we've advanced as far as we can advance in a passive manner and we need to go more active. And then you get things like the Wuhan Institute of Virology where things are potentially being developed that may or may not be used in the world. You know, And we're not saying that COVID-19 is 
a, a military weapon, right? We're just asking the question based on the information that's out there. If this is something that should be talked about and we think it is, which is why we're doing this podcast and to talk about the annexations of neighboring countries, they're already doing it with Taiwan and we're looking at other Pacific islands. Um, they're building islands. They're just building territory for fishing. Yeah. Quote unquote. Right. Um, Hey, that's a great, great reason to build land. I think I'm going to build my own little island out in Lake Michigan and (laughs) yeah, get all the salmon. It's a great little, uh, fishing escapade, which China loves by the way, but their size alone makes them dangerous, right? In a military conflict, especially in that type of society. In Eastern culture, we're very different from ours, very collective thinking. Um, we saw that in World War II with uh, Japan, obviously now a very strong ally. But that size of population is just dangerous, man. I mean, they dwarf us big time. It's not even a competition. And, you know, that brings in the whole gun control thing, which is a totally other subject that I'm not going to touch on. But it, the disarming of the population is a serious factor. When you think about what an invasion on that scale would look like, because we have China already a factor. Then you look at them starting to annex territory. If they choose to do so, who's going to stop them in Southeast Asia, India, the Philippines? Who's going to who's going to put their foot down when you got what 2.7 billion? Is that the current number? That's something or is it have we hit 3 yet? I'm not sure. Well, they just uh bumped their one child policy um which was more lenient, more like two child policy. Now it's 3, I believe, as of this past week. So uh yeah, they're yeah, they're, that's uh, they're growing an army. And if you guys haven't heard about the hundred year plan that China has, I know we've talked about it a few times on this podcast, but um, I know Yeti wants to say something about that. I mean, I was jumping in with the with the I mean, children. That's, the policy. No. that's part of the hundred years policy. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be pumping out kids. It's not because they're trying to create an army. It's because they're elderly's about the outpace ours, we're going to have a much younger population compared to China. So the one child policy, yeah, they needed it, but then they also didn't adjust it in time. And now that whole working age is about to collapse and they don't have the economy to have that amount of elderly people without the people working. But that's a little bit getting off topic, but I'm going to tie it back in. That, that's just one thing. I've been doing a lot of research. China, I know I've been blasting you guys with videos. I'm very interested in what they do. It's They are no, they are getting after They're getting after it for sure. And I think that's a really good point that you bring up as far as the the one-child policy. and Because it's just China doing China. You know, They're playing the long game. They play that infinite game so hard. And we do not play that game well. We, we've, we've done it in the past. But recently, we have not been playing that. We have not been playing that infinite game, because the goal is not to win. The goal is to just continue to play the game. You know, it's like uh, what's that movie with um, Matthew Broderick? You know, where he's got the computer. He's like, you know, uh, the goal is to play the game. 
Um, shoot, I can't remember it. War game. It's a great. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's gonna be like Jumanji. But he's you know he's playing the game against the computer yeah. anyway. It's it's a good it's a good indicator of infinite game. But that's where we we see this coalition potentially happening. China taking control, and then we see that catalyst, like we talked about earlier, like Midas was talking about, with Wuhan, potential sanctions, potential watchdog. We bring all that together, and who's being affected by this? Obviously, the whole globe, but North America has been hit pretty hard. Mexico, Canada, the United States, all been pretty hammered by it. I mean, not to say that Europe wasn't, but the the U.S. and the other North American countries were hit pretty hard. So now we see the potential, obviously, with the catalyst, because none of these things happen organically, to see a North American federation or confederacy or whatever you want to call it start to form where you have the natural resources of Canada, the manufacturing and manpower aspect of Mexico joined together. And that to me is a scary thing to behold. You know, if you are sitting on the other side of the fence and you see, you know, Mexico, Canada, and the United States united with one purpose. I mean, that's obviously we're still in the speculative realm, right? But, you know, (laughs) so in a, in a sense, but I think you hit on something important and I think that's where it backfired with relation to COVID is because if the Chinese, I don't think it was a deliberate. No, I, um, yeah, I don't as well. You know, deliberate, action letting no. letting the virus out even if it was in the lab but what it did do is it greatly strengthened relationship between north american countries if you're looking at trade right. um and industry because we couldn't rely on yep. goods coming from china and we really had to grow our relationship with and i you know i do that at work you know we've got Companies that have uh, plants down in Mexico that are producing COVID-related supplies that we are using in America and vice versa. So that's a good point about the whole confederacy um, potentially forming. And I think that's that's potentially a positive byproduct, but either way, it is also a form yeah, of polarization. Exactly. Yeah, because you look at the the way that we're we're at now, you know, it's a, there's three very different cultures, Canadian culture, American, well, America's a melting pot and it always has been. So that's a, it just depends on what state you're sitting in that, or even what County you're sitting in that culture. And then Mexico obviously is a very different culture as well. But, um, yeah, it, it just brings back to what old DJ T was saying a year and change ago, like came from China. It's that's a potential catalyst that I don't think we've capitalized on. Unfortunately, you know, I, th- I think that, yep. That could have been not even to, I'm not even saying we should federate the North American countries. I, I think that's extreme at this point, 
but at least to strengthen those ties and continue to increase our own manufacturing and whatnot. But I think it just, it's just something to think about. And I want you guys to continue to do research, continue to listen to what China's doing and pay attention because those guys, they're, they're playing the long game and we play the game by four year increments. So I think that can probably, I think that can probably take us right into, uh, Pro Neil's comments because that's it's a lot of economics is what we're talking about here. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. globalization right. strategy and goes yeah. back to the fact that we don't really have that dedicated yeah. foreign right. policy. You know, well, I'd, I'd argue that some people in our in our government do. Um, yeah, but how? Yeah, sure. how do you implement it's that? Not our, exactly, it's not right. broadcast. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're already implementing it, but that's, uh, I think that has a lot to do with my collection of tinfoil hats, right? Yeah. So, uh, why, don't you, why don't you put a couple on? Let's go for a ride. Yeah. You know, look so far in this podcast, it's already been a lot to take in all at once. Right. And I think that a lot of the media that we consume and what our government officials are telling us, look, I think they're flipping the script for a reason. Right, if our government and mainstream media are the first ones to release information and somewhat verify information, they can do it at their own pace and a pace that they accept. Look, they they know that on average Americans have extremely short attention spans. They're aware that they can force feed us all sorts of garbage and we're just gonna look the other way. Right. And so I'm wondering, just like I you know, I was wondering with the confirmation of UFOs. What's really going on under the surface here? Who's the one in hiding and who is it that's going to be going down for this? Because I know it's a conversation that I've had with a, a couple of friends of mine and I've had it here, you know, with the PATH group. Is Fauci going to be the one to uh, to kind of take the fall? Is he going to be the drop guy on this? And it's tough for me to say, um, but there's a lot of news that's coming out and and not necessarily CNN, but there's a lot of information that's coming out that links uh, NIH funding directly to or somewhat directly to, you know, uh, add a middleman in there. Everyone does it uh, to that P4 lab over in Wuhan. Um, now, look, as I said, fact checkers might disagree with me, but um, we, we know how how strong those are because those fact checkers have been the one telling us that it didn't originate from a lab for the past two years as we watched how many people die. Exactly. And that goes back uh, to that kind of incest within the American media. Exactly. And we, and, and it's, it's tough to watch people be like, yeah, but did you see the fact checker said that wasn't, you know, David Chipman standing on the, on the smoldering graves of, uh, you know, 68 people in, in Waco, Texas. It's like, yeah, well, if you look into that fact check, he's the one that said that it's like, that's like asking the government if they've ever done anything about, you know, pollution. They'll be like, yeah, of course. See, let me cite my own study that I did on what we've done about pollution. You know, like it's, it's anywho, not what I'm getting into, but if we look back, there've been countless instances of foreign operatives learning and working in many of our most prestigious schools. All right. So, We'd been kicking around an idea of making this Canadian connection, uh, which I'm not going to do. But this is very similar to that. And this 
was released. It's a press release from the Department of Justice, their their Office of Public Affairs, on January twenty eighth, twenty twenty. All right, so you know everyone's hearing about the Wuhan flu. Han people are starting to put things together. It's January twenty eighth. It's not that much farther after we've heard the first murmurs of this. It wasn't much longer after January twenty eighth that you know we started this little podcast here and started talking about what we thought was going on. But this press release says that a Harvard University professor and two Chinese nationals were charged in three separate China-related cases. Now, Dr. Charles Lieber, the professor, right? He's the chair of the Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology program at Harvard. <clears throat> he was arrested and charged uh, with one count of making materials, a materially false and fictitious and fraudulent statement. Now, what's interesting about this is if you actually go into it, uh, you learn that he specialized in nanoscience. He's gotten over $15 million in grant funding from not only the NIH, but from the DOD, right? And when you get federal grants, um, especially when it comes to research, you have to disclose, you know, any type of foreign financial conflict of interest, any financial support from foreign government, or even companies that are based in foreign countries, right? So, unbeknownst to Harvard and the DoD and the NIH, this doctor became a quote-unquote strategic scientist at the Wuhan University of Technology. Which is very interesting. And now, if we're going to go into their 100-year plan, they are a participant of China's Thousand Talents plan from 2012 to 2017, where they attracted, recruited, and like legitimately just sucked in high-level scientific talent from the rest of the world. So under this contract, they've been paying this doctor 50K a month. To, to participate in this. So you don't Ooh. think that there's financial in, uh, incentive. And it just so happens that it's in Wuhan, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast forward past one of these guys, right? Because I don't really care about him. They found out that he's a, he's a lieutenant in the PLA, the People's Liberation yep, I Army. that guy. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. Guy sucks. You know, like maybe uh, change your Facebook or something. But. Yeah. Get that shit off your LinkedIn, dummy. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, I was. Uh. But this is this is interesting, right? This guy Zhang enters the U.S. on a J-1 visa, conducts all this really cool cancer cell research at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston, right? And then it's alleged that on December 9th, twenty nineteen, he stole twenty one vials of biological research and attempted to smuggle them out of the U.S. aboard a flight destined for China. So that's uh, pretty serious. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to take research out, and he was claiming that he was going to bring it home and, and claim the research as his own, and make a whole you know buku bucks, right? Another patent in the in the log of Chinese patents that are one hundred and ten percent legitimately theirs. Um, right. So, just interesting to see, right? Now, it might may or may not be directly linked to COVID, especially this guy that worked at the Unifer, uh the Wuhan. University of Technology, right? But 
what it shows is that you have Chinese nationals in the United States that are willing to subvert and by any means necessary, please their government. I mean, this guy had 21 vials of biological, like just soup in his socks. This man was dedicated to China. Do you, I mean, it's, it's just very obvious that there's a, uh, there's some crazy stuff going on out there. And look, I, yeah, you know what, Midas, can you, can you chime in on the craziness? Yeah, dude. So another part of that article that I mentioned earlier that I, I commented was frankly BS. Um, it was this kumbaya statement that said, oh, well, if it did come out of the lab, then we just need to have more uh, programs between us and China. So we <laughs> send them some of our scientists uh, to kind of overwatch their programs and and they can do the same for us. And I'm like, are you fucking stupid? This isn't a nuclear program. Jesus. Christ. No. Yeah. This is not a symbiotic relationship. It's not like uh, the UN sent people to Rwanda and Rwanda got to send some people to Canada <laughs> so they could supervise each other. Like that's not what this relationship is. That's not what it should be. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's still that naivete at large yeah, uh, with regards to this, which is just ridiculous. Well, it's ridiculous, but, and this is why I kind of think it's planned. Not, not, you know, I'm not saying that COVID was planned. I'm just saying that the release of information is somewhat planned. And look, there's, there's a bunch of stuff going on. There's a bunch of stuff that hasn't been drawn into the mainstream media yet. There's a lot of questions and it's always almost as if there is more to the story, but time and time again, they follow the, this, this formula. They acknowledge, they inform, they deny counter-accusations, they grow distrust for whatever the opposition of their first point is, and then they'll wait six to 18 months or so, and then they'll just say, yeah, you know all that stuff that you suspected years years ago or a year and a half ago? Uh, yeah, that, that was all right. Anyways, let's talk uh, about you know what Lindsay Lohan has to say about you know, the current misgendering of whatever. Hashtag 9-11 report. Oh it's my weird. God, it's like yeah. there's a playbook written for this or something. Like like literally. And, and they all follow the same thing. So it's it's that short amount of time is enough for our feeble minds to forget, right? And we can no longer make that connection in our head back to the original stories. Like no one's making the connection that, you know, Epstein didn't kill himself isn't just a hashtag. You know, it's something that actually happened. And right now, we're getting news reports that, well, you know, maybe the guards didn't fall asleep. But they're not being charged criminally. So, you know, no one got paid off. It's all good. But it all follows the same pattern. It could be Epstein. It could be the Wuhan Fluhan. It could be whatever. They'll put the information out so that way, you know, if someone looks into it, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess that did come out. Oh, And they'll just move on with their life. They don't make it a bombshell story that they run for a month and a half like they do everything that you know certain presidents said. They'll say it just long enough for you to hear it and for you to disregard it. And I think a lot of this stuff and a lot of the identity politics has come out after what we saw at um, Occupy Wall Street. Once they had the 99% against them, they kind of realized, hey... <laughs> We got to figure out a way that we can make it so it's not the 99% against us. 
we have to be able to drive a spike between, if not the center of them, then three or four places inside of them to make those groups smaller and smaller. Because that's the only way that this makes sense to me, man. Midas, yeah. you got a little bit of insight on this? A little Am bit, I crazy yeah. here? No, no. And I'll be the first one to say it, dude. I'm, I'm not a tinfoil <laughs> hat guy. Uh, you know, for a long time, I was kind of of the opinion that any sort of government program was most likely justified and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, we, everyone on the team has been a part of them in some form or fashion, uh, which, which gave me a lot of perspective. And uh, I'll tell you right now that the, uh, the blacklist is real. Uh, it's a real thing. <laughs> a lot of those, those people on the show are, you know, a little bit magnified and dramatized, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real deal. There's, there's a, a cabal of folks out there that have a lot of power they, and they've got a lot of interesting backgrounds and skills and, uh, you know, maybe that's necessary to try to keep the order. You just, I don't know. But uh, inherently, you're going to have competing groups and factions. And to Broniel's credit, you know, looking at it from an economic standpoint is intelligent. I think most often we've looked at it from a foreign policy standpoint and looking at Chinese influence on this country and Russian influence on the country as well, which are undeniable. Uh, they, they do occur, but it could also be an internal thing focused on keeping us divided. And uh just so happens we've seen a lot of division in the past year, and I want to talk about that. So kind of bear with me here, guys. I know you've been hanging in for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think there's there's a lot at play here. So, um, you know, like what if people were hell-bent on dividing America, no matter what their reasons for it were, you know, to stay in economic power or to uh, rot us from the inside out, as we talked about couple podcasts ago looking at Russia's actual foreign policy itself and how that's been playing out internal to the U.S., um, driven by media and election fraud and things of that nature. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. So looking at this through the lens of people wanting to keep us divided, uh, there's no, no lower-hanging fruit than ethnic division. It's just too easy. Right. Uh, I feel like we've gotten so close to healing out of a lot of that as a country several times now. And conveniently, every time there's a big issue that results in riots and further division, further distrust. And it's just absolutely uh, those flames are fanned by the media. They throw gas on them every day. And, you know, it's just like why... Why would they do that? But, and I don't know, I'm not sure, but it is definitely happening. You know, I mean, let's look at all the, the verbiage and media signaling about uh, African-Americans. All right. Like slaves haven't been owned in this country since the civil war. Does it still exist? Potentially tied to that stain in our history? Uh, looking at racism. Yeah, of course racism exists. You know, is it worthy of magnifying it to the point of trying to like recreate this racial division that we we saw in 1865? Uh, I would argue no. Yet 
every time a police officer in America draws his or her weapon and uses it, and the person killed happens to be African-American, that is the instant go-to by the media. Why is that? Let's, let's stop back and objectively, step back rather, and objectively look at that. It doesn't have to be this way, guys. Racist cops can be racist cops. They can be labeled as such. A bad cop potentially covering up a counterfeit cash ring run out of a nightclub sent to silence a man bringing too much attention to the syndicate and killing him in broad daylight in uh, Minneapolis, for instance, which is under investigation by DOJ currently, can be identified as a criminal. He doesn't have to be a racist. He can just be a criminal. A good cop put in a really bad situation where they've got to use their pistol in order to make it home that night can just be that, right? Our go-to doesn't have to be to paint people out to be racist. There's no innocent until proven guilty anymore. It's this skin color killed that skin color, therefore is race motivated. And that is not, not necessarily true. Most times it probably isn't true at all. Are there dickheads out there? Yeah, absolutely. But that doesn't have to be our go-to move. It's easy, it's simple, and it's refreshing. Like if you actually take time to think about it that way. It's real life accountability grounded in facts. And guess what? The thing about facts is sometimes it takes some time to emerge. But when the media instantly highlights racial divisions and go ahead and throws gas on that fire that's smoldering due to the history in this country, and groups of angry people start rioting, all of a sudden the snowball effect, it gets out of control. And it just fucks up the entire process of the truth coming out because then perceptions are tainted, divisions are formed, and it's very, very, very divisive. We just don't need it, guys. It's incredibly unnecessary. So here we are, instead of being one people, one tribe in this country, that despite our turbulent and somewhat sadistic history at times, are able to band together and lead this planet in the right direction, we are doing what? We're reading a book by its cover. That's right next to the golden rule in our moral library, folks. Ever since we're little kids, what are we told? Don't read a book by its cover. But we're doing it. As a people, we're doing it. Don't let that division take hold. It might take a conscious effort for an entire generation, but it's got to happen. Take charge at whatever level of power you possess and spread that word. Your color doesn't matter in that sense. It doesn't dictate success or intelligence or who you're friends with and who you can be friends with. Ever since the 1700s, America has been known as a melting pot. And to take that analogy further, lately, we've been this like chunky stew with ingredients that could easily just complement each other, form that harmonious flavor palette, destined to get you through to the dessert round on Chopped. Instead, we've been tasting shitty. Or at least what we've been told we've been shitty. 
And continue this metaphor further, when you step back and look at the world, America is like a little filet mignon steak. We've got some grizzled edges, there's some flies on it. But it damn well isn't the stinky, rotten piece of fish guts the media wants you to believe it is. And all the woke people in this country want you to believe it is. America is not a horrible place. You think it is, go to some of the places we've been. It will change your perspective. Can we do better? Yes. But in my opinion, the only way to do better is if we band together and strive towards it. And we can't do that if we're continuously allowing the media to divide us based on something that we can't even control, which is what color we are born. Absolutely ridiculous, folks. We can do better than that. We absolutely can. We have to. We've got to succeed. Taking into account incidents like COVID-19 and how they can inherently fuel that fire is really important as well. Right? What have we talked about in this podcast before? Uh, high unemployment levels. Media expounding upon and magnifying racial tensions. Stimulating hate. Division. It just it, it magnifies. It blows up. And I would say that COVID-19 created the perfect conditions for that. So let's counteract that. Let's give it a shot. And you can only do it at your level. And what do they say? Like smiles are contagious. So it was kindness, especially if you're looking after people who uh, might not come from the same upbringing as you, might not come from the same ethnicity as you. We're all still one tribe. We're Americans. That shit's important. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast tonight. A little bit interesting one. We talked uh, media influence a lot. I think that's uh, that's a huge crux of the problem right now, what we're facing. Uh, general rack- lack of regulation in that sense, uh, which, you know, does come into libertarian type discussions, folks on the First Amendment. You know, we get it. It's complex. Uh, but either way, it's sowing division. Division's bad. And that's what it comes down to. Uh, welcome people who have different opinions than you. You know, it can stimulate good thought. That way you're not in the echo chamber and just pumping yourself up to go out there and make shit decisions and do the wrong thing. And that can occur at any level. So I think that was a big takeaway. Uh, looking at foreign policy impacts, that was a good good hit point by Da Vinci. Looking at the uh, fun- potential ramifications about the information coming out about this lab. And, uh, you know, bro Neil put on his tinfoil hat that, uh, starting to look more like a baseball cap these days, starting to look a little more normal with what's been coming out. So, uh, I guess we'll go around the horn with the guys. You guys got anything else you want to add? No, I think, well, I think it just goes back to what we've talked about before, right? Do your research. Um, you know, don't always take, what you get on the internet is gospel. So this kind of goes back to what we've been preaching for, <clears throat> for a year and a half now, well, I guess close to the two years now, you know, just uh, do some research, look for those little tinfoil hat type blogs and stuff. Sometimes there's a, a announced truth in there. Yeah. Great point, Irish. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate your time. Uh, I see Da Vinci drawing there in the background. I think he's working on our, uh, our new line of shirts. We've got some apparel coming out so you guys can help spread the message a little bit, get the word out. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds corny, sounds a little uh, idealistic, but uh, you know, we can have an impact. You really can, but it's going to take some time and effort. Yeah, sometimes so. you just got to vibe with the boys, you know, and just let the creativity flow because it's a me at the Vinci. <laughs> That's right. Try to get the artiste on for you yeah, guys. We should it's have some be good awesome. products coming out for you guys soon. So it should be fun. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great night, morning, rest of your afternoon, whatever you might be up to. Be safe. Be good to one another. Be an asset.